Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Vicky Podcast. Um, you got my voice today hosting. That means we're without our leader, our king, Mr. Vicky. He's taking a night off. Um, and you probably think if I'm speaking, then the Grievo can't be here. But no, he's just having a night off hosting. He is here. How are you, Grievo? I'm good, mate. I'm good. You know what? I thought your last appearance, you were so good. I let you host it. Ah, you're so kind. Um, Greeno, talk us through what you're wearing today. I'm currently wearing a shade top. Yeah? Um, Yeah, just one of my... Every month I get a uh, mystery box from someone. The name escapes me. Um, And yeah, this month, a naughty little Fenerbahce home kit. Who's your favourite Fenerbahce player? Um, Currently or in the past? Currently. Um... I'm going for Ryan Babel. Does he play there now? In my heart, he still does. I, I think he was Galatasaray. <laughs> Is he? Well, oh, that's uh, a bit awkward. Erkin. Does he still play there? <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, we're on him. Um, <laughs> as you may have just heard, Grievo is not our only presenter tonight. Um, oh, I've just labelled him presenter. Cheers, oh, mate. taking a step up of the world. Oh, not not guest. You're still a guest. Oh. Um, <laughs> Mount Mountain is here. How are you, Brit Back? I'm not too bad. Uh, cheers, boys, for having me back again. Uh, I do love it when we talk about the old football. So need to make sure I was here for this one. Um, talk us through your fit check tonight. Uh, well, it was recently my birthday, and my brother was at. Um, he was up near Manchester. He went away to Wigan to Argyle, so he went to the Classics Football share Shop that's up in there, and he picked me up a nice little FC Porto top. Great brother. Yeah, it's a nice shirt. To be fair, I am. I'm very happy with it. He said it was. I've no, I've not got a Portuguese shirt, so he said he thought it would be good to add to the collection. Yeah, I like it. You got. You got any more in mind that you want to get? Oh, I don't know. I kind of I like the idea of make, like trying to have one from each of the like major top leagues potentially. I've got some from Syria. I've got FC Cologne from the Bundesliga. I haven't got any French league, but there's not really a team in the French league that kind of excites me. So I don't know, just something that keeps me going and keeps me interested. Nice. And uh, test your knowledge. Who's your favourite Porto player? Oh, Pepe, of course. Okay. Okay, good job. <laughs> I feel like Sam was uh, not happy with that. Uh... Well, it's just easier than Fenerbahce, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, right, let's get into it. Um, so, we usually do a bricky breakdown at this point. Uh, I'd love to come up with a convoluted, um, reasonable excuse as to why we're not about to do a Vicky breakdown. But I think, truth be told, none of us looked at the news this week. Is nah. that thing? Yeah, and I just... Yeah, I, yeah, to be honest, I don't think there's anything massively newsworthy to talk about. And sort of a um, you know a listener's warning. This is all going to be about football. <laughs> if you don't like football, thank you for your time. You can leave now. <laughs> um, but if you do, stick around. It, it could be, you know... A couple of idiots talking about ball. I was um, going to say, the, the, the biggest news story this week has had to be the end of the Premier League, isn't it? So that's what we're here talking about. Yeah, rumour has it that Mr. Bicky has got a tattoo on the day that we um, 
that we have recorded is not a quadruple tattoo, thankfully. <laughs> I, I was worried. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see that. Get Hopefully get that on the gram. Um, I tell you what, we will do a little Bicky breakdown because uh, there's a football let story going on that we probably won't cover tonight in the Premier League talk. But let's just talk about how mad this Mbappe deal is. Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Ah, oh, it is crazy. The <clears> money <throat> involved. He's, he's getting a 150 million signing on bonus just to him and his agent or whatever. And then he's getting something like 35 million a year after tax. Yeah, it is nuts. And he's only signed a three year deal, yeah. which makes it even more mind-boggling that PSG must have just been absolutely desperate to keep him. Oh, haven't, yeah, they, haven't they also sort of given him some control of manager <laughs> and transfers? Yeah, I think he, he has a say in all of them. Yeah, he gets say in the coaches a lot, which is horrible. Could you imagine being his coach and being like, Mbappe, you played shit today, and then worrying for your job afterwards? Yeah, the dynamic doesn't work like that. The moment you have a player who technically can go above the manager is when then it's going to be a really sticky issue. Yeah, but like player power has always been sort of an issue. And now he literally has player power. Crazy. crazy. I've seen a lot of people sort of question it, saying that, you know, he's, he's basically ruined his legacy now because he, he has physically, he's chosen money over going and winning trophies in an actual decent league? No, actually, um, the um, Real Madrid president came out and said that they had offered him more money. <sighs> Crazy, right? I, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, why why he chose PSG? I'm not really sure. Obviously, he's French. Um, I mean, that deal... He's that deal messy. He's with Neymar they've got a good thing going on there but I mean they're not really a force in the in the Champions League I don't know what else he can achieve there though because everything that he apart from obviously the Champions League everything else that you would want to do in the French League he's already done Mm. and I mean he's 23 now that deal will take him to a 26 which most likely is you would make the assumption the reason he's done a three year deal is so then he can move himself on at 26 because that's when he'll sign and most likely an even more gigantic deal. Yeah. I think another, I don't know, I'm, I'm, hyper, I'm hypothesizing right now. Maybe, do you remember um, in that calendar year, Messi got like 92 goals? Do you reckon he's just thinking he might be able to beat that in the French league? Potentially. The, the issue is, is I don't think that record would ever stand up to the same as Messi's because as people would say, it's the Farmers League. I mean, it's a better league than it has been, mm. but it's still not as competitive as the Prem or the Bundesliga or Serie A or something, is it? Yeah. I, really, I think even the league is a bit of a shit league, personally. Yeah. I think they've got five good teams. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. Yeah, not even that, really. In turn, well... Real Madrid are obviously running away. Barca are still in a bit of a transition period. Um, Atletico are just shit houses, aren't they? They'll mm-hmm. continue doing their thing. And then you've got sort of Seville and Villarreal who've obviously done well. So, yeah, yeah, probably five good teams. 
Atletico Madrid are just Burnley of money. That's yeah, they <laughs> are. Yeah, essentially. Um, do did you boys hear the maddest stat on this whole thing? Um, with the money that it's cost PSG to sign on Mbappe, they could have bought thirteen of the league clubs outright. The whole club. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is a great statistic. I mean, if you're going for the league, I think it's probably a better financial deal to buy out your opposition than um, than the player. But they've already got the league locked up, right? How many Champions League teams could they have bought? Oh, God. Because that's the one they're missing. <laughs> yeah. I reckon they probably could have bought about 10 of them. Yeah, probably. Madness. Um, right. I do just want to see, before we get into more football shit, more or football talk, um, how are you boys doing? What have you been up to? Um, I've been all right. Yeah. Um, I went to a black tie event uh, yeah. last weekend uh, with my company. Um, there was an, an annual sort of black, black tie ball sort of thing. Yeah. First time I've been invited to any of them. Um, we, and it was it was interesting. There's a lot of wealth in that room. I mean, wealth whispers. Yeah, oh, it, it was unbelievable. <laughs> Did you feel in place? Like, you I mean, were meant to be there. I looked a million dollars. I, I saw. Mean, I looked it. Didn't feel it. Oh, ain't, ain't got that money. You've got uh, a good collection of sharp suits now, haven't you? I'm getting there. Yeah, I had to wear like a like I said a full on black tie thing. And I just I can't wear boring suits. It's just not me. Yeah, but I get uh, that. So yeah, but I had to I had to slum it. Um, the Barry Welsh voice. Wait, yeah, the Barry male voice choir were there. Oh, wow, lovely. Okay. Yeah, got roped in the singer of them. So was, was Bryn was, in it? Bryn wasn't in it. No, not this no. year. Um, but yeah, got roped in the singer of them. That, that was that was interesting. Um, and yeah, it, it was just a lot of old shipping men in a room. <laughs> what does an old shipping man look like? Just battered by the sea air. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, <laughs> Shane, have, you, have you done anything to match that? Uh, I'm very close to moving into my house. Uh, yes. It was funny because obviously when we did uh, this pod at the beginning of the season, I went, oh God, I don't even know what my predictions were. So I need to go back and listen to it. And uh, in in the process of us doing it, I talked about, oh, we're in the process of trying to buy a house and now at the stage where we're all but about to move into it. So it's taken me a full Premier League season, but we have got there. You excited? Yeah. Uh, obviously worried about bills. That'll be the first uh, time in my life having to deal with that financial burden. But yeah, no, I'm fully excited to have my own space and have something that I can call as my own home. Nice. Looking forward to it. Yeah. And potentially a um, Bicky podcast knees up at some point. Oh, yeah. Well, you boys know that you can come down whenever and uh, we can sit in the garden and we can do whatever we need to do. Go across to the Ivybridge Rugby Club after, get some drinks. Yeah. Well, um, I got a little update. I, uh, I've i been back to Albania last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Second time in Albania. Um really good just the weekend in the capsule um and it was for a stag do uh of one of the lads that came 
came last time, but he, he loved it so much he wanted to go back. <laughs> um, so we just went around the capital doing manly stag things, really. We shot semi-automatic weapons, uh, <laughs> which actually I'm surprisingly good at. Um, I've got my target somewhere. Where is it? Oh, I'll have to find it later. Um, I've got a picture of me holding at it. But so we, we started with a like a, a Glock um, from 10 meters and you sort of like hold it out straight with one arm and then close one eye and then look through the sights. And I, out of 10 shots, I think I have five of them right in the heart. Ooh. Oh, God. I was a trained killer in another life. <laughs> <laughs> and then we moved on to the like full on M16 rifle thing. Um, which was actually a little bit easier because you sort of you've got more control over it. It sort of goes into your shoulder, but we were all sort of doing it and then coming away just shaking with adrenaline. The fact that we were holding this weapon that could just kill anybody at any time was just intimidating for all of us. It would be for me as well. And I, I would love to do it, but I think I'd hate doing it at the same time. Yeah, it it was a really weird experience. Um. Which actually I did enjoy, but I don't think I I would want to do it regularly. You wouldn't really want to lose that sort of fear of it, because then it just becomes weird. Um, well, there you go. After we did that, we uh, we went up a mountain and played golf off the mountain. <laughs> is it one of those um, holes where basically the drop is like like however many feet down and it's see if you can try and put it into a hole in one no it's more of a um like a pitch and putt mini golf scene on the top of this mountain with with nice views um and a bar and stuff so we drank loads of racky and and everything it was uh it was good sounds decent mate yeah um right should we get into it yeah okay have you got your um your harmonica just to give it a blow sir do you want me to give it a blow? Yeah, just give it a blow. Oh, blow. Do you want like a, a tune for or just just a blow? Um, just give us give us a little freestyle, ten seconds. Okay, yeah, that's quite long, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, maybe five. Let's give him five seconds. Okay, I'll go five seconds. Oh, he's so practices that he practices for it's these natural, moments. Natural lad. <laughs> He loves it. Um, right, so as you'll see by the uh, by the title of this episode, we're going to be talking about the Premier League season, um, which has just finished. And, of course, we've got Jamie and Sam here, and you boys have just been head-to-head in one of the greatest fantasy league finals days of all time yes. for our group. Um, let's hear from both of you about it. Shall I, shall I go first then? As wait there, runner up. Yeah, runner up, runner up. Brooke back, you go first. All right. Um, well, I think well, Chuck can agree. Um, Sam took a commanding lead very early in the season and stayed out in front for a very, very long time. Uh, my strategy was to keep my chips towards the end to try and catch up right at the end and cut just get there just before uh, it all finishes. And I'd done a pretty good job going in to the start of 
the last game week, I was one point behind Sam, having been 100 points plus behind at some point. So I felt confident. Um, I knew that I needed to make a change. I wasn't happy with the squad I had. I then did take a minus four hit to bring Mane in, which was a good call on my part. He did then go and score. However, I had a lot of other blanks on the pitch and that it was an infuriating time for me because I obviously had all the notifications on and I knew Sam's team inside out. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm seeing Vardy scored. Then I've seen that Barnes has assisted. I'm then seeing Cash has scored. And it's just player after player after player of his. And then Reese James gets an assist. And it's just like, it's just not stopping. And I was, I was lucky because I had brought Sun in the week before as Salah was injured, and I, I captained him, whereas Sam went different. And Sun did get two goals, which did really help me out and keep me in it. But to be frankly honest, on the day, I just did not have the players that performed for me. And uh, yeah, we gave it a good go. But unfortunately, we just um, just fell before the end. And uh, Sam was able to take the victory. I, however, I don't think Sam was really focused on the FPL on the last day of the season. I just knew that it was inevitable. No, it wasn't even like ten percent of my brain was on it. Nah, I was um I was watching Liverpool and screaming at my phone to be honest. Um, at me, me nan's birthday meal. <laughs> 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 my mum was there like, "Are you with us?" I was like, "No, I'm at Anfield, mum. Piss off." <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I was always confident. I think Jamie, you, you wildcarded about six weeks out, I think. I did. And I think Chug can vouch for me here. As soon as I saw that wildcard, I said, it's going to be close, but I've still got it. Purely because you went for three players from each of the big three teams. I did. My, and I, I my, knew that would bite you in the arse eventually. My thought process was, especially as well as towards we got the end, why I also brought Mane in is I was getting more and more worried about rotation risk. And I knew at least those two, they were going to be pushing each other, that those players would play. However, there were occasions when they didn't play, which didn't help me in those situations. But it did keep me going all the way to the end. It's just unfortunate that those that didn't pick a couple of the right players in those situations. Yeah, and I, I backed the underdogs. Well, or not the underdogs, I just backed the... the... The team slightly below those three, you know, Spurs, Leicester, Aston Villa, that sort of lot. Um, and I, yeah. it didn't, it didn't um, I think that's the thing that killed me off is you hopped onto Spurs and Leicester early and they you got rewarded for that. And I was far too late to the party. And by that point, there was no recovery. Yeah. So I, I've not even looked at the app since Sunday. So I, I don't know how many points more I got in you. I, I think it was 14 in the end. Well, there you go. Right. So it's a, it's a cruel mistress, FPL. But we move on to next year when maybe I won't finish second for once. <laughs> Miss the second place. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you're you're a new kid on the block in terms of um, fighting for a title in FPL. Um, how did you? How did it feel trying to keep your head throughout throughout the end of the season? Yeah, like I said, this is my first league title that I've won I've won sort of the World Cup and the Eurozone before but I've never won a league um, yeah fine to be honest um, I was pretty chill um, like like Jamie said I had such a massive lead about 10 weeks ago I don't think anyone thought I was going to get caught uh, and I started sort of messing around with captains and stuff so maybe 
next season, I might sort of <laughs> <laughs> have, have some fun with it, but still sort of take it seriously because, yeah, going into the, the final week with a one point lead, which came with the chase, um, was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> was a bit tense, but. <laughs> I, I was I have to say I was glad I was out of it by the last week so then I could just sit down and enjoy the last week um, that was pain it, for me I will say there was a lot of pain and tears shed on that day yeah so talking about that last week excluding FPL um, what what are your thoughts on on the Man City Liverpool final run in um, as a Liverpool fan Obviously, when Villa went 2-0 up, I thought, this is it. And then City do what they always do and score three goals in five minutes to crush my dreams. Um, and that's the worst thing. Cause I, on, if Man City blitzed Aston Villa, it would have been fine. Like, Man City won the league. Liverpool didn't lose it. And again, Man City won. So, therefore, they won the league. There was about 10, 15 minutes where Aston Villa were 2-0 up and Liverpool were drawing. And I thought... If Man City lose and Liverpool don't win, that's going to be worse than yeah. ever having a chance of it. There was there was enough of the carrot was dangled in front of you where you could just about reach it. And that was the bit that I would think for most Liverpool fans hurt the most. They yeah. were just teasing you, weren't they? they honestly took the piss, didn't they? It, it, it was tough. Um, but like I said, you know, Man City won the league fair and square. Like, that they are they are unbelievable across thirty eight games, um, and the fact that Liverpool, I think this is our third season out of the last four where we've got over ninety points, is just insane. It is ridiculous because you think how many other years would you guys have just walked the Premier League, and it, we just we are lucky to have been graced with Man City and Liverpool, where it's now getting to ninety plus points, and you're still not able to win the league. Well, Man United never got over 90 points. Exactly. In the Premier League. Never. And they won 13 league titles. So mm. it's a shame. But fair play, see. They are so good, those two, aren't they? Um, I reckon that's a good, that's a good starting point. Uh, do you boys want to hear your predictions um, at the start of the season on who you thought was going to be in that title race? Yeah, I've been on. looking forward to this moment for about nine months. <laughs> you obviously remember then. Um, I remember I'll... one prediction in in, in particular. <laughs> I'll start with mine. Um, I went Man City to win the league. I then went Chelsea, mm. as I'm, as I think a lot of people may have done uh, at the start of the season. I then went Liverpool. Thought they'd drop off slightly, but you know, still up there. And then when Man United, that was the Man United bias in me, I guess. Classic. Uh, then Leicester and Arsenal uh, to finish sixth. So, I obviously didn't have much faith in Tottenham, who who did bloody well. But let's see what you boys did. Um, Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> this is interesting. <laughs> Right. To win, you had Chelsea. Yes. I can understand why he did at the time. I got excited. Yeah. Surely you must have had uh, Man City second. But no. 
You've got Man United second. I got excited. What were you excited about? Ronaldo? Ronaldo and, wasn't there at that point. And Sancho and Varane and they'd finished second the year before. Okay. Then the Liverpool fan has gone Liverpool third. Yeah, like like you, I, I thought we'd um, focus more on domestic cups, um, which, you know, to be fair, we have done. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't think we'd have enough to um, challenge on all fronts. So I thought we'd drop slightly down the league to focus on the FA Cup and League Cup. Then fourth, this is mm. the one I, I need you to talk me through. Manchester yeah. City. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I, I, I stand by it. I believed it at the time. I thought that they've been so consistently good for so long, they had to have a drop-off. And I thought the whole Kane fiasco where they were going to get him and didn't get him and didn't get him and didn't get him was going to sort of, you know, mess them up a little bit. And um, and then they spent a hundred million greenish, and I thought, you know what, they're just they're just you know trying to click, um, grab straws here. Um, but they're just unreal, aren't they? Unreal, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, and then you've gone Leicester Aston Villa, which you know <laughs> they're not terrible shouts, but again, you showed no no faith in Spurs. I didn't. You're right now. Um, I guess what was that again? Partly due to the Harry Kane thing. Um, Harry Kane thing I had no faith in Nuno um, which proved to be true um, and no one predicted at the start of the season that Conte probably one of the, one of the top five managers in the world were yeah. Spurs yeah I mean no. they didn't start great did they uh, it's only been the the latter end of the season that has been a resurgence and they were very Spursy for a while. They would win one, they'd lose one. But then I love it how that's a verb. Yeah, really Spursy. <laughs> they picked up some form, so fair play to them. Um, Jamie, I've left you till last because um, you've done pretty well here. I d- I did think I had done pretty well listening back to the predictions. Uh, you've got Man City to win the league. Check. Liverpool to come second. Nice. Check. Man City to come third. Oh, not Man City. Oh, no, sorry. Chelsea. Yeah. Um, then you've got Man United. You I mean, no, there's, a re- there's a reasoning behind that. I'll explain most likely why that didn't come off. But at the time, I think it did make sense. Because, as we said, Ronaldo wasn't even mentioned in the picture at this point. So, Jalen Sancho had just come in. And I talked a lot about how Bruno worked a lot of the uh, the midfield and that I felt like very early on that Jalen was going to have a lot of success from the wing. And then later on into the second half of the season, Bruno was going to find a bit more room because then Jalen would be a bit more of a threat. Now, this didn't start out well because for whatever reason, Oli didn't really play Sancho to start with. And I think the main reason is, is that I think Sancho is very much a one-two pass kind of player, like does the almost in a way, like a Man City-esque style. He was that in there in that academy. He was at Dortmund. And I think Man, Man U was a lot more get the ball solo, running it, and then see what you can create. And I don't yeah. think that style of play worked for him. Um, obviously, then Ronaldo come in. And whatever previous plan any Man U player or manager had just went out the window. And then I think it took them a long time to find how they needed to play and... Obviously, Ollie's then left, and then the players just aren't into it, and then that was ultimately the downfall, wasn't it? 
yeah, I, I can't disagree with anything you just said. Sounds about right. Um, to finish, you've got, again, you've you've put Leicester quite high up and then you've gone Spurs six. So, yeah. Um, I, thought, I think I with thought... Leicester, it's not horrible shouts to put them to do well. They've just suffered, suffered with defensive injuries at the start of the season, didn't they? They couldn't keep a clean sheet for ages, couldn't defend a set piece because they had a Marte and whoever at back. Um who were like four foot tall, so so yeah, not not horrible shouts. Yeah, w- w- when you lose Johnny Evans, Sionchu, and Fafana in the first like three weeks of the season, James Justin as well. It's tough, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, they did a lot of it about Ndidi as well, who's sort of an anchor for them. Yeah, and, and Novardi as well. He struggled. Yep, and Vardy dropping out. Um, so. Let's move on and talk about individual players. Okay. Um, and we're going to get some opinions on on this season for for this pod. Um, I'm going to start by asking you two, and I'll give an opinion as well. Who was the biggest underachiever this season? You can go you, go player and team. Okay, I think <laughs> team, we we could probably all agree potentially, Man United. Yeah, it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I I will say I think someone else to also throw into the mix, which is a bit of a controversial one. I would say is Arsenal. No, I wouldn't. No, well, I disagree. Let 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 me let me explain the reasoning. Okay, for a team that did not have European football, so had no other focus. To be that far ahead at the end of the league, to be getting themselves into the Champions League spot, to then bottling it right at the end. I think once they're in that situation, I know they can say at the beginning of the season they were expecting blah, blah, blah. When you're in that situation with that many points to go, with those many games in hand, they should have finished Champions League. Yeah, but that's sort of the last three weeks you're looking at there. None of us predicted Arsenal to be in the top six. And they were in with a chance to make top four for the last game of the season. So I, I think they overachieved, yeah, personally. Me too. Okay. I mean, Something you, to think you, about. You are right. There, there was no European football. But as we've seen, they've relied on their kids this season. And, and their, their senior heads they have lost their heads. So, you know, I, I think the, the biggest overachievers this season are probably the likes of Smith Rowe, Martinelli, Saka, those sort of boys. Yeah. Um, in terms of what Arsenal have just done, that is, as a Man United fan, that is what I want to see Man United doing next season. I mean, if if it was up to me, Ten Hag would just come out next season and say, we're not even bothering with Europa League. We're just we'll chuck the kids out. Let's just let's just rebuild this club. Let's not worry about Thursday nights, um, and then literally just do what Arsenal have been doing. Um, and just try and yeah rebuild it from the ground up. Well, then the next question I'm going to come into here is Arsenal have obviously been in this transitional phase for quite a while. Arteta's come in before the young boys. How many more seasons now are we waiting until we are expecting an end product with Arsenal? Well, I think something else that has been underrated that Arteta's done this year is they've got rid of a lot of the deadwood that are yeah. taking up a lot of money. I mean, like, Aubameyang wasn't performing. He's now gone. 
Um, I mean, Lacazette looks like he's going to go out. Like, there's so many aging players that he's got rid of David Luiz, those sort of players. Um, and they've brought in young, fresh talent and, and, and academy boys as well. So, I mean, I think even if they don't do anything for the next sort of two or three years, Saka will be 23. Smith Rowe is going to be 25. Martinelli mm-hmm. is going to be 24. Like, Ben White, he's 23 now. He's going to be 26. Tierney's only 23. Like, Tommy Ashu's only 23. Like, the list goes on. Ramsdale. Like, they, they could literally do nothing or sort of sit within the top six for the next sort of two years and still be absolutely fine. Okay, yeah. interesting. I wonder if the because uh, from what you see online and everything, you think Arsenal fans TV and stuff like that, they don't give it that project window, do they? I think most of them are expecting to be Champions League sometime soon. And unfortunately, with the way the other teams are, if Conte does stay at Spurs, which is obviously is a big if and the way that he's always been, and the way that Man U obviously going to try and rebuild themselves with the reputation they do hold, I do think it's going to become incredibly difficult for Arsenal and that window is going to start shutting. Yeah, if, if Conte stays at Spurs, Tuchel stays at Chelsea, and obviously Klopp and Guardiola are going to stay at their respective clubs, that's a top four lock-off, just because off the managers. Yeah. You know, and then you've got Arsenal and United batting down the door, which I can't see either team doing for another couple of seasons. No. Um, I think for Arsenal, it's, it's 100% dependent on what striker they can get in. Yeah. Um, and maybe... a. Um, maybe a defensive midfielder, but they need that striker. Um, and Katia's came in at the end of the season, and yeah, he's picked up a few goals, but I don't think he's the he's the figurehead for that team. I don't think they were meaningful either. I think that most of his goals have come against sides where they were predicted to win or whether they were already winning. I don't know. He scored twice against United. That's United, though. <laughs> Most teams were scored against United. Yeah, but I mean they're heavily, oh. heavily linked with Gabriel Jesus, aren't they? And if they get him, that'd be a, that'd that would be a side. game changer for them. Yeah, yeah, and then that is going to define how well Arteta needs to do. Yeah, I think. I agree. If they go and spend a bit of money, we saw it with um, Oli. Uh, I think Oli could have happily had another season of not really achieving much, but then he went and brought in Ronaldo, and suddenly the fans are going, "You need to." you need to be getting sort of challenging now. You bring in Ronaldo and you've got a lot of pressure. Um, so I think it'd be the same for Arteta, really. Um, we didn't go with players, did we? Oh, I no. Know who, I know who my player is. <laughs> I, I haven't got a club or a player, mind you, Chiba. I've got, I've got a manager. Okay. Ooh. And it kills me to say it, but it's Steven Gerrard. Oh, okay. We, yeah. I mean, I've I've got some stats here. Right? Oh, go for it. They they only finished ten points off the relegation zone, right? This is it's Aston Villa who yeah. spent sort of hot, like they, they had that greenish money to spend, and they spent it. And I think they spent it pretty well, to be fair. You know, they got Ollie Watkins, uh, Danny Ings, Buendia up top, um, Leon Bailey, who's been sort of sniffed around by European clubs for years. Yeah. Um, defensively, they got like. John McGinn, Douglas Louise, Mike Cash. They've got a really good, solid side. Um, Martinez in goal, who was like one of the best goalkeepers in the league last season. And they added Coutinho, like genuine mm-hmm. world-class talent. 
and to only finish 10 points above the relegation zone isn't good enough. Um, it did come fair, in mid, midway through the season, so you've you got the you argument say, there. You say midway, he had 27 games in the league. He didn't really improve them, did they? Did he? He won, they won 10, they had 10 wins and 12 losses. I, I think definitely the thing for him will be now he has the summer with them, he has a lot of time to set them up and he, I know obviously he has still had the opportunity to make his moves, but I think this season will be telling for Gerard and how he is as a manager. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But if you look at the teams that have finished above them, th- there's no way they should like, you know, Brentford, great club, but shouldn't be finishing above Aston Villa, the money they spent. Brighton shouldn't be finishing above them. Southampton, not a chance. I mean, you know, Newcastle, they hadn't won a game in the first 14. <laughs> and they finished. They finished clearly above them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gerard took um, Aston Villa from 16th to 14th. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it pains me to kill. It kills me to say it because you know Gerard's an absolute legend of mine. But the season wasn't good enough, and the slip. Yeah. Right at the end. Yeah, and the slip. Too near love. <laughs> He, Still, he just can't win a league title for Liverpool, can he? No, he, <laughs> no, he can't. Do it. Um, well, I'll, I'll move on because I had a player that I was going to say was the biggest underachiever, and that was Lukaku. Yeah, fair shout. Like the money that Chelsea has spent to within weeks saying that he wants to leave, to then being pocketed by Plymouth Argyle. <laughs> like, I, I don't get it. And. I've seen a lot of stuff and like I can't I tried to like look into it. I was like, why is he struggling so much? And they think a large majority of it is when he's gone to these clubs where he scored goals, where he's gone to West Brom, he's gone to Everton, and he's gone to Inter Milan, where he's really had his biggest success. He's always been the man there. He's always been the main man, he's always been the person that everyone's looked up to. When he was at Man U and when he's been at Chelsea, he's not been the man. And I think he's the sort of player that needs that kind of ego boost and pressure to bring out his best performance. And unfortunately, I mean, a, a, lot, a lot of you boys picked him to be golden boot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because of the reputation that he brings. And I was always said as uh, from the last part, I was always hesitant to pick him because I just know what kind of player he, ha- he can be. And this is the player we got. And we spent a hundred million for a player who said he wanted to go back to Inter Milan. Okay, but can I caveat that, right? You brought him in to be your top goal scorer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he finished the season as your top goal scorer <laughs> across TV? all comps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. all comps. Okay. I, was, I was only looking at Prem because I've, Mason was our top goal scorer for Prem. Yeah, across all competitions, he's your top goal scorer. Interesting. I felt like, yeah. the, <laughs> I felt like the, the output did not equal the price tag. Or okay, what we but expected. is that Lukaku achieving? Is that Chelsea underachieving? Lukaku. Okay. I uh, think Chelsea I... are defensively sound, aren't they? But yeah, um, going forward, they haven't got a lot of identity, have they? They haven't got. There's not. There's not a lot in there about them. Um, and I think Lukaku is is probably, despite um, despite his facade and everything, he's probably just a bit of a confidence player. Um, mm. We saw it in his last couple games towards the end of the season. He was making a lot more runs. He was he was bodying people off again, sort of the Lukaku that you saw at Everton and Inter Milan. Um, but throughout most of the season, 
he didn't really do that. He was sort of just mincing around up top like a lamppost. See, yeah. I, whenever I've watched him, um, he has been making the runs, but no one's been finding him. And yeah. whether that is just they're not used to having that sort of striker up there, the system wasn't right for him. And, you know, 10, 10 of the players on the pitch were drilled into a system. And Lukaku was going, there's space there. I'm going to run into it because he's not used to that system yet. I don't know. But I, I this whole sort of um, idea that he didn't look bothered and he was just like labouring up, up top, I, I disagree with. I, I from From the eye, I was seeing him make runs into actual space and he just wasn't being found. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can agree with that. I mean, I'm just quickly looking now, like his, something I've kind of got into now is hearing more and more is like um, the uh, the XG. So like the percentage of the, what he should be scoring based off goals. His XG is 0.4 per 90. So it's not even reaching half a goal a game. No. So, and so obviously it kind of feeds into what Sam says there, but he's not getting the input he's not getting the ball enough into the places that he needs it so he does concur with what he says I just as a Chelsea fan maybe I've treated him a little bit harshly than what I would maybe say for other players but I just felt like when he came in with the price tag he is that he should have produced more is that his XG in the Prem? Um, that is for Chelsea right. um, this season so okay. I, I think it's not just necessarily limited to the Premier League but if we could just you know, I know stats don't work like this, but if we just put that to the Prem, 38 uh, games, a, a goal every two games, that's 19 goals. There's only four off gone boot. Yeah. I mean, I'm just having a quick look at some of his XGs and some of them he... Some of them he has some awful XGs. <laughs> just... Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's underachieved in the sense that everyone put him up as his pedestal. He's going to smash it. He's going to be the reason he's in the league. So he's underachieved in that sense. Mm. But putting him as the biggest underachiever of the season, I think it's just bandwagon. There's a, Potentially. There's a Chelsea trait here, isn't there? When you look at the players that they've got up top, um, Havertz has come from Leverkusen and scored a shed load of goals um, and not really done it at Chelsea that much. In terms of consistent numbers, he scored a few important goals, yes, but not consistently banging them in. Um, Werner scored a shed load at Leipzig, still isn't doing it at Chelsea, really. Come up with a couple at the end of the season. He teased me and thinking that it might be a good shout for Fantasy League. Brought him in, <laughs> terrible shout. Uh, <laughs> I think he scored like three in three games and then I brought him in and then it was blank for six in a row or something crazy like that. <laughs> I mean, I, it, I I hate to say it, but your most consistent striker is currently bagging him in for Roma. Yeah, that is so painful. <laughs> it's so, it is just so painful. Like, if you just think of the team that Chelsea could field that are no longer at the club because we've sold them, it would be ridiculous. <sighs> yeah, one of them, one player of the year. Which I disagree with, if we want to move on to that. Yeah, we'll move on to that later because it's sort of the big one. Um, but I'll just I'll give you my biggest underachiever, um, and it links to what Sam was saying. And I've gone Leon Bailey. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, he has a lot of injuries though, doesn't he? Yeah, he's been hampered by injuries, um, and a lot of the players that I looked at in this list also got hampered by injuries. Dominic Calvert Lewin being one. Yeah, um, did score an important goal to sort of help keep him up to be fair to him um but i thought 
I think at the start of the season, we probably thought he would have been kicking on for a potential looking at maybe challenging for Golden Boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's go now with... Let's go for our young player of the season. Let's mix it up a bit. Okay. Who, who are we thinking? I don't like this category because <laughs> the official sort of guidelines are if you are 23 or below at the start of the season, you're eligible. Yeah, which is broad, right? Massively broad. And you could be 24 and win the under 23 award. Okay, so let's split this question then. Who okay. is, by Prem standards, who is your young player of the season? And then I'm going to ask you, who is your under under 20s, under 21? Okay. Um, well, we're going to do that off the top of my head now. <laughs> I am split between Trent and Mason Mount. Those were the two names on my list as well. That it like Trent's annoying because he's he's so good, and you kind of just go, yeah, okay. Trent is arguably the best right back in the world in the role that he plays. You could arguably say that, and then you go, well, technically he should be winning the other. He should be winning the young player of the year every year because what he is doing is ridiculous. And then also at the same time, it's like. Phil Foden obviously won it. I disagree with it because I don't think he had the same level of impact that other players did for their team that he had on Man City. And there's nothing against him, not, nothing to take away from his performances, but Man City is so good that actually how much impact is just a single Phil Foden actually putting on that team? Most likely not a lot. Phil Foden could have played zero minutes this season and the outcome still would have been the same. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, for me, he was just never young player of the year. And Mason Mount, obviously, the stats are there to back it up a little bit. I mean, in terms of the way that Chelsea have been, he's most likely been one, if not our most consistent player in terms of an outfield player and the way that he's producing. Um, Youngest player in Premier League history to score double figures and double figures assists for Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. So Did it four years younger than Lampard? Yeah, yeah. So you can you can argue it on both fronts. I I think, like we said, I think the main thing we've come away from this is actually the the award itself is more difficult than <laughs> what actually is there. But for me, it's either Trent or Mount. Yeah, um, it is it is hard to argue those two definitely. But um, for the feels basis, I've gone with um, another Chelsea player. But on loan somewhere else, Conor Gallagher. Oh, oh, that is a naughty shot. I did not think of that. I just love him. He scored some great goals this season. He scored, I think, he scored eight eight goals, three assists from midfield. He's he's been playing defensive midfield. He's been playing attacking midfield. He controls the game. He just he just looks like a top quality player. But sadly, I think he'll go back to Chelsea and will hardly play. Yeah, it's unfortunate with the way that that's going to be. I, I thought that about three or four months ago, but now watching Chelsea's midfield crumble, I mean, Kante's still Kante, but he can't do it as consistently as he used to. No. Ko- Kovacic can't play more than 75 minutes without getting injured. Yeah. yeah. Jorginho, the third best player in the world, is oh, terrible. Sack him off. Oh, my God. Terrible. I'd rather have Lucas Ems in the midfield than Jorginho <laughs> right now. <laughs> Ruben Loftus-Cheek. 
Someone needs to tell him that he's six foot three, good looking and good at football. Because <laughs> he, he doesn't believe it. <laughs> so having someone like Gallagher in there who he, he backs himself, he's going to run around, might be exactly what Chelsea need. Yeah. Yeah. I love him. He, for me, he's my young player of the season. Um, let's go. Right. Can we do under 21s? Well, yeah. yeah. One person who comes to mind straight away. Uh, well, you can basically have to look at an Arsenal player for this, aren't you? Because of the t- age that they all are. <laughs> yeah. Is it's either got to be Bakayo Saka or it's got to be uh, Martinelli. Okay, not Smith Rowe. How old Smith Rowe? Smith Rowe's a little bit older, isn't he? Nah, Smith Rowe's there, mm. but I just, I think he's been more of a impact player. Like he's had a hell yeah, of he, he hasn't necessarily oh, had the start. He, he scored 10 goals this season, but I think he did it all within about 11 games or something stupid. Whereas I think Saka's been consistently Arsenal's best player at the age of 20 all season. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd I agree. Saka too. I'd like to throw out Livermento. Yes. He's been injured the majority of the time, hasn't he? No, only in the last sort of like month or so. Oh. Or looking at another young fullback. I think Tyrek Mitchell's been great. Yeah, but I think Saka's been the best under twenty players. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Do you know what Livermento did that was amazing? I think Southampton brought him in on loan to potentially be a backup fullback, and then with injuries to Carl Walker Peters, and then he went and started his first game because there was injuries and stuff, and then he just played amazing. And then throughout the season, they were like, "All right, he'll do." Yeah, he's done well all season. To be fair to it, um, pretty conclusive there. Um, let's go with let's go with some signings. Let's talk about some signings. Uh, let's start with the best signing of last season. Okay, I've got a few. Um, yeah, I think Jose Sar for Wolves has been unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Wolves has been terrible. I think predicted points has put them at like 15th or something. But yeah. Saar has been unbelievable. 11 clean year. sheets this year. 80% save accuracy. That's yeah. accuracy, save percentage. Unbelievable. Um, I think Kulisewski has been a massive impact for Spurs. Yeah. Um, they always had that Son Kane, but on the right-hand side, didn't really have that player. And Kulu's come in and been phenomenal. Um, but my best signing of the season, I love him. You love him. Cucurella. <laughs> Joe Wicks. He's been unreal for Brighton. Yeah. So much so, obviously, yeah, I'm going to talk about Brighton later. But, um, you know, they, they finished top of the league. Not top of the league. Top, 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 top of the league, which is their highest ever finish in English football. Yeah. Unbelievable. And he's been so good that he's been linked to Man City, Man City to replace their left back. Yeah. What one season in the Premier League? I think we knew it was coming just yeah. because of our FIFA tournaments. Yeah, we knew. I knew. We had him on our FIFA tournaments. Um he was player of the season a couple of times, moved to Brighton, we're like he's going to smash it and he smashed it. Mhm. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He's not a player I thought of because I was naively just thinking of goals and assists um, and stuff. And I, I've i got Kulusevski on my list um, because obviously he's brought in, he's done well and he's been part of that resurgence to, to 
to get Champions League football. Um, Jamie, what are you going with? Um, I've got two players on my list. Um, one more of a, I think, value for money of what he, of what the kind of caliber of player he is. I think is why he's on my list for me. And another one is the impact he's had on a team and the way he's changed it. So I'm going to start off with Ericsson. I think he's completely changed. He changed the way Brentford played. And if you yeah. just saw like Ivan Tony's like percentage of chances at goal and like his XG and all this sort of stuff when Ericsson is on the pitch, because he is, as he still was, and well, he can be a world-class midfielder. And you, you could argue, oh yeah, but if you put them in these teams, they're never going to produce the same. Well, he made everyone around him better, which by right. definition is what I would consider is one of the best signings of the season. If he makes every single player around him even better, then surely that adds even more value than just singly himself. The other person I was going to say as well, and he's a, he only came in in the winter, but from the eye test, you can tell he is one heck of a player and arguably, I think, has got rid of the likes of Jota and Firmino in terms of who is that solid front three is Luis Diaz. Just the way that he is, the way that he plays, you just look at him and think, cool, Liverpool got themselves a sign in here. He's a special player, isn't he? he? And Klopp doesn't miss. He does not. Like They must have the best scouting system in the world. Because, like, again, they've got a system... And they go, right, let's put players that work in this system. And I, I, I agree with your, your suggestions, Jamie. But they both came in in January. I yeah. think er- Ericsson's played like 12 games. He's been amazing those 12 games. But uh, across a season, I think you, know, you can't really put them in the same categories. Yeah, some other players. I, I, I get that. That's why I knew when I brought them up, they wouldn't necessarily be the ones that we kind of go for. But I think yeah. they, had, they just had to have a special mention. Because although they've only been there for a short period of time, the impact they've had on their teams has been substantial. Massively. And I think what Luis Diaz has done is he's allowed Liverpool to also compete in the other tournaments. Um, he's given us that rotation um, option. Because, like you said, it was uh, Salah, Mane, Jota, Firmino, and the living legend that is Origi. Um, what a man, by the way. Um, and now he's given us that extra sort of rotation option. He's, he's just destroyed teams he does mm. like he look he, like i think i've said in the previous part he looks like he, his girlfriend's watching him every single match yeah he is uh, he's so oh, he's so good and he doesn't even he speak is... a word of english don't do that don't we quickly get a drinks break because i am a little bit thirsty oh yeah of course good show <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to The Bicky Podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you haven't already, please send us some feedback to thebickypodcast at hotmail.com and even give off, give us a follow on Instagram at thebickypodcast. But for now, back to this week's episode. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back to The Bicky Podcast. Um, we just had a green drinks break and... I want to say that I've got myself a beer for the first time in a week. Like, not in a week. First time I've had a weekday beer in well, since I can remember, really. I haven't been drinking much beer. But today, 
I've got a beer from Beer Club. We talked Hi. about them in the Euros. Um, I've had a mystery box come in. Um, and I've got one called Brew Gooder. Nice. <laughs> it's, a, it's called Tropical Pale. And I've got my Beer Club gla- glass here. Oh, look. oh yeah, like you got that, that um, April Fool's deal, wasn't it? Yeah, so what they did an April Fool's deal um, where they sent me a text. And Sam, you had it too, didn't you? I did. Um, saying, you want a I had it as time. well. Unlimited beer uh, for life. And then the code was like Shula Laugh or whatever. Um, and then when you spell it backwards, it says April Fool's. And then you, you order it and then you, you get a, an email shortly after saying, April Fool's, we will send you one free box, but then we're going to start charging you. Uh, so anyway, this is out my free box. But also on this, this is something that was very impressive. I've got tasting notes. Oh, I love that. This uh, is getting fancy. So for this brew good a beer, um, it says to the eye, bright straw. It's quite bright. Looks like piss, to be honest. <laughs> to the nose, uh, mango and pineapple. Oh. Mm. I'm getting the mango, not so much pineapple. Uh, to the mouth, summer passion fruit, bittersweet finish. Let me have a taste. Oh, it is bitter. I'm not getting <laughs> the sweetness. More just bitter. Uh, and then I've got Pale ale, an easy drinking tropical ale combining citrus and cas- cascade. Um, citra and magnum hops with subtle balance malt flavours to give a fresh tropical taste enhanced by the addition of natural mango and passion fruit extract. There you go. Sounds wonderful. Lovely. Um, so, yeah, I was really happy with that. Beer Club tasting notes. Glad Love I ended that. up falling for their little trick. <laughs> what what's your beverage of choice currently, Jamie? I'm now going on a cut because I realised that I drink too much. <laughs> oh! <laughs> now, to, to be fair, we've um, we've recently had um, like a lot of family down. In fact, me and Emily have had like a lot of occasions uh, recently, and we just sort of got into the habit of drinking, and so then all of a sudden you start to notice it a little bit bits and bits more and so we both looked at each other and went do you know what we need to like just say get rid of it because start eating healthy again so trying to push towards summer now to have some kind of potential summer bod don't know yet we'll have to we'll have to wait and see so currently drinking the summer fruits i love that nice yeah good on you um i'm trying to work hard too to get that summer bod in um which which actually, I didn't, I've got to tell you, boys. I've, I've had a, I've had some bad news in terms of the summer. Um, we've had to cancel our holiday. Oh, no. We were due to go to Sri Lanka three weeks for three oh, weeks, yeah. um, which we were bloody excited about. But I don't know if you've seen on the news, they're in sort of financial turmoil, turmoil at the moment. Um, oh wow! There's no fuel. There's no medical supplies. Um, they, they haven't paid their debt to other countries and stuff. Um, and the British government had come out and said that we don't advise anybody goes there, essentially. Oh, oh shit. God, yeah. So it's been stressing us out a little bit, trying to get the refund. But we managed to call Emirates today and eventually get through to somebody that told us that we could get it refund. So we're just waiting on that. And then... Oh, thank God, then. Hopefully, you can... 
uh, other plans. Um, we've been looking at a few, uh, a few tonight, and I'm quite excited about the plans, but also gutted that we can't go to Sri Lanka. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to your point. Wherever we go, we need to get that summer bod a little bit more ready. It's never going to be six pack, but let's just get rid of the guts a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you there. Um, should we get back? Yeah. Right. We just talked about signing of the season. So, who's the worst signing of this season? Again, I've got three. Two of them are from your teams. <laughs> wow. Um. I think from the expectation and the hype of him coming in uh, to what he's actually produced on the pitch, I think uh, Varane has to be in this conversation. Uh, it's not a bad shout. <sighs> yes, in terms of like expectations, but still you've got to be looking at the fact that when Man United get it right in terms of manager, then he's surely going to be pivotal. pivotal. Yeah, but that's a potential in the future I'm looking at this season yeah yeah um, and yeah I, I, like I said, there's been lots of variables around United and there's a lot of sort of but I don't think there's been many bad signings this season there's there's one obvious which would you know we mentioned earlier Lukaku or whatever but yeah. again I, I, I think he's in the same vein as Varane when he gets it right which he could still do he'd be unbelievable um, one from Chelsea who isn't Lukaku is um, Saul oh yeah, yeah. wow yeah, that that's just been. I don't even know what's gone on with that. Within the first like, what was it? Um, first two weeks, Tuchel was like, "Yeah, this ain't gonna work." Let's just like, he's only been there two weeks. Like, he came off on forty-five minutes on his debut. Exactly. He? Like you're just there thinking, what what the hell is going on here? But yeah, one of the one of the most rated centre mids in the Liga to a very dodgy left wing back at Chelsea. <laughs> yes. I don't know how this happens, but for me, it's a niche one, but I think we can all agree. Danny Rose at Watford, what an awful <laughs> signing that is. Yeah, at least they bought him in for free. Got him in free, but terminated his contract after three months because he got ran ragged. Oh, I didn't know they terminated it. Terminated, oh, yeah, he's, oh, yeah, he's a free agent. Gone. Terminated his contract. I didn't know that. Oh, he got absolutely ran ragged. I can't remember who it was by. Um, it could have been Spurs, baby. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was actually he got ran ragged by Spurs, and then basically got told he's never gonna, he's not fit enough. He'd never play for Watford again. Yeah, being, oh God. being told never gonna play for Watford again is a right kick in the fucking teeth. <laughs> and then they terminated contract. Yeah. He, wow, he's got that sort of deserve. He, he almost deserves it a little bit, didn't he? Because remember, I think last season. Um, it was in that documentary, actually, about him leaving Spurs. And he had loads of championship offers coming in and offers from abroad. He didn't want to take them on because he thought that he, he was good Premier League standard. And he wanted to go. He went to Newcastle and was shit there. And he still thought he could get Premier League top half. But he ignored it and went to Watford on a free. And then he's been... Showing how bad he is. Honestly, it was like watching Beetlejuice try and fucking defend. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I had one player who was also on that list. We've already touched on Lukaku, um, just based off price tag and everything. But I also thought, because I didn't want to just keep repeating his name and sound like I'm a sore loser when it comes to Chelsea. So I did also have a think about in terms of 
I know he came in during the winter, but I don't think Delhi Alley is going to be any kind of signing for Everton. I disagree. It's de- like the thing is, Delhi has so much potential. And if you think back to a couple of years ago, was up there would be one of the world's best potentially in the, in the future and stuff like that. He's now gone to Everton where I don't think he really did anything. He spent most of his time on the bench because Frank, as unfortunately has with most of like with Delhi and managers and stuff like that, everyone goes, oh yeah, I'll get Delhi on side with me and I'll get him playing the way we know he can do. And he just doesn't produce. But Delhi Ali's a, a flair attacking player. Not what Everton needed after the shit show Benitez left him in. They needed <laughs> players who were just going to sort of grind it in the back and hopefully Richarlison could do something on top. So yeah. I, I think next season we're going to see a much better Deli Ali. I hope so as well, but for the second, I just don't I don't think we're going to see any product from Deli Ali. I think what will happen is after this, this will be him down in the championship. Oh, oh no. I think I'm Cam Brook back here, you know. Really? Yeah, he just hasn't not got the mentality. No. Um, and you can't just massage him up all season, surely. Like, how how old is he now? Like He's got to be like 25, is he? 26? Oh, God, what an old fucker. 25. No, but, like, no, but what I'm saying is that at this point, if, there, if you're struggling to draw out the, the ability and getting him playing in, himself into some sort of form, by 25, 26, and he's not, like, hit the ground running. He's not going to be what he's been pinned up to be. I don't know. I, I think the, the fact we've seen it, I think it's still there. And there's been glimpses of it this season. And I, I, I agree. You know, he needs to sort himself out. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. But I, I think that's it's harsh to put him in the worst signing. There's a, there was a fire in his belly back in the day, but that fire has long been put out. Well, Shall I tell you who I kind of compare him to? And the comparison I use for him, obviously he's a very extreme version of what I'm talking about, but in terms of what the standard of what it could be is Mario Balotelli. Because if, <laughs> if you think about what Balotelli's potential was when he first joined City and how good he was and the why always me bit, and then all of a sudden, what, he was playing in Serie B or Serie B or whatever? And then, like, it's got to that sort of stage. And, yeah, don't get me wrong. There's a couple of clips that comes out from him and you go, wow, Balotelli's still got the talent there, but just never had the mentality or the work rate to get him to where he needs to be. He scored five goals every day. <laughs> yeah, but this is what I mean. Like, once in a blue moon, you're going to go all of a sudden, yeah, he is really good, but he's not good enough to be that player that we all thought he was going to be. OK, well, yeah, if by the time next season... Deli Ali's in the championship. I'll shake your hand. But okay. I, 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 I can't see that. I He's too good for that. I, do, I don't think he'll go championship. I think what could potentially happen would be get shipped off to Italy, has a good season again, um, and then might reclaim a bit of glory back. Um, but I don't know if he can do it in the Premier anymore. I don't think so. Um, the, the one argument I would have on him not being the worst signing, is that this deal is incredible. Yeah. It is signed on a free, but could raise to 40 million. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> so this basically just depends on if he does well, if he scores goals, if he makes appearances, then it will slowly, slowly raise up and up and up. Um, but at the moment, they ain't paying. They ain't paying much for him. Well, maybe that's why he's not been playing much. And because I of just... his... Everton are in a lot of financial problems at the minute. Maybe they can't afford to play him. Yeah, maybe. And I didn't know that that was part of the deal. So, if anything, that might sway me a little bit in my prediction or my pick. <laughs> but it was worth knowing. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, okay. Well, let's move on to a player this season that you think was the most underrated player this season? Again, I've got a couple. Um, I think Christian um, Christian Romero yeah. Yeah. at Spurs. I mean, the fact he's made Eric Dyer look like a compatible centre-back <laughs> and Emerson Royale look good is, is praise enough. But yeah. like, there's clearly a reason why he was voted... Syria's best defender last season. He has been unbelievable. He's just solid. He's a very, very good defender. Could you argue then that if he's won a player of the season, I know it's the season before, but if he's won a player of the season, that he can't be that underrated because he's been voted as the best player in that league. But how many people, how many Prem fans rate the Serie A? That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> like... Obviously, Italian fans and you know people like me who you know, know football rate him, but um, <laughs> but I, I I think he you know not not enough people have talked about how good he's been this season. No, I I can agree with that. I mean, he's nowhere near anyone's team this season, which I think I don't think he he should be, but I think he should be in com- like conversation, hundred percent. He and, should definitely be in a conversation for that potential signing of the season. Yeah, mm. yeah, no, I agree that. And also, I think the one person who, as we've seen um, with just Salah being injured and Van Dijk being injured, that if if we lose him, we are a much worse team. That's Fabinho. Yeah. I, I think he's been the best DM in the league this season. I can't argue with that. And I think he's one of the best in the world. And I can't argue with that. In terms of um, Liverpool starting midfield three, who who are you picking for Champions League final? Champions League final, I'm going Ooh. Fabinho, Thiago Alcantara, and Champions League final, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Henderson. That would have been the three I would have picked if thinking about it. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. If I'm going for our best, I think Naby Keita gets in front of Henderson. But for leadership and to drag us through, Henderson needs to be in there. I think it also. I think also it depends who your front three are because, like you said, if you have those two more attacking midfielders, if you've got your if you've got Salah, Mane, and Diaz playing up top, I don't think Cater needs to be in that midfield. I think a Henderson who's going to hold his position a bit more, be a bit more solidly defensive, because. You've got Robertson and Trent who are still always going to be running forward anyway. You do need some people who are going to sit back a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think obviously Liverpool as a squad gets so much praise, but mm. very little is actually directed towards Fabinho. Yeah. yeah. Jamie, have you got um, 
Have you got somebody to add? Um, someone who I think this is my pick's more of an, uh, a breakout season, I think is the way it's going to kind of been. And mentioned as well, has not really touched any of the team of the seasons or kind of any not picked up like a, not- a notable mention. It is most likely Jared Bowen with yeah. his impact that he's had on West Ham. I mean, he he has, I think it's like 12 goals and a, a big number of assists as well. And you just think, think the way that West Ham have performed this year, I mean, I could be going on to talking about manager of the year next year, but Moyes, obviously, the way that he's come in, like Jared Bowen has just been absolutely phenomenal for them. And so you can argue, actually, that although he has been very noted across the season, he's done a phenomenal job, that actually, he's just come out of nowhere and he, he needs the praise that he deserves. Yeah, he's top of my list as well. I he's... mean, I, I agree. He's been rated because he's now an England squad. Yeah. Which fully deserved. Um, but yeah, I, I think no no one thought he'd be getting double figures and goals and assists no. prior to this season. And like you said, he's not been mentioned anyone's team this season. Well... Let me have a look because I, I feel like I've just been waiting for him to do this because <laughs> his his goal tally at Hull... Uh, oh, up, great. Was... I, I knew it'd be a good signing. Like I, I used to work with West Ham's fans and I said, sit on him. Like He'd be a good signing. But I, I didn't expect to have a season like this. I'm just looking at it now. He scored 12 goals and 10 assists this season. Yeah. And for Hull, he scored in 124 games, 52 goals. I haven't got the assist, but that's pretty good, right? That's not bad as a winger. No. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think Man- I don't think West Ham would really be any anywhere about him. Antonio started well, but then didn't really get anywhere after that. Um, and then, yeah, he's taken up the baton and and sort of carried them through. Another West Ham player that could go into this category is Craig Dawson. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been fantastic this year. I think he's top of the blocks chart. Top of the blocks. Top, top of, of the blocks. blocks. Um, Craig Ballon Dawson. <laughs> Big Dawson. <laughs> and, and at a time when West Ham were struggling uh, in their... Uh, what was it? In their quarterfinal... When they literally had no defenders and only Craig Dawson, they didn't really look. They didn't really look bad, did they? In the Europa League. Well, Craig Dawson did get sent off. Which game was it against? I can't remember which one it oh. was. No, no, you're thinking of Creswell. Was it? No, it wasn't Creswell. Was it? Yeah, and Creswell got sent off. There was there was one game. I swear, I thought it was against Chelsea. They got himself sent off right towards the end. Dawson has been sent off. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. That's what I'm picking up. But carry on. Yeah, just a beast, right? Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Another player that I'll throw into the mix would be Holberg. Hoiberg. Yeah. I said last season he was my signing to watch out for. Yeah. I love Hoiberg. Yeah, quality. Um, sort of been able to... I think people don't... When you play that formation that that Spurs do... You you really need the players in that system. You can't do it without certain types of players. Mm. And 
importantly, you've got to have a player that can control the midfield um, in terms of the running and the passing in a two because you haven't got any bailout behind you. Uh, and he can do that. I, I think Hoiberg and Bentenkur is probably the best centre midfield partnership in the Prem. Bloody good, yeah. Balance, yeah. balance wise. Yeah, it is. You can't argue it. Yeah. And just double checking, Craig Dawson has had 52 blocks this season. Only Tarlaski at Burnley Tarkovsky. has more with Tarkovsky. 61. Burnley players always win this category. Yeah. They always win the category. Sad to see him go down, wouldn't it? Yeah. But it'd be interesting to see where they go. I mean, Cornet's got to leave. Yeah. Who's getting Pope? Whoever gets Pope's going to have a great keeper on their hands. Yeah. Tarkovsky, uh, Dwight McNeil. There's some really good players. Ben Lee. Yeah. Yeah, great players. I'm surprised that in the players that we talked about so far, we haven't talked about Veghorst because I was so excited about this player. (laughs) I was as well. I, I was I, so excited. I got sucked into that hype. If if no one buys him and he sits in the champ, you could have a Mitrovic season. Yeah, he could. He could do. He honestly <laughs> could. The the goals that he scored at um where was he? Wolfsburg. Yeah. Oh, let me get those up. Chuck, <laughs> <laughs> oh, for the benefit of just you, because the the listeners at home are not going to see any of these. I, I well the thing is Veghorst has been it would have been the best Bundesliga striker in the last five years it was Lewandowski yeah he, he's been yeah. he's been great fifty nine goals in one hundred and eighteen appearances for Wolfsburg as a <laughs> as a six foot six striker that is bloody good it is very good I imagine there's a lot of assists and a hold up play in, in his game as well yeah um, not that I watched a lot of Bundesliga play but. Hopefully, if we've got any Bundesliga fan listeners, they'll tell us how good he was. I'm sort of glad that Argyle didn't get promoted to Championship because watching Veghorst batter us, I couldn't watch that. Oh, I don't know. Our backline pocketed Lukaku. I reckon we could deal with it. It's like the fucking Undertaker. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, just, uh, just a little add-on. How do we think Mitrovic will do in the Premiership? Four goals. <laughs> <laughs> we've seen the script before there's yeah. another Norwich there's another Watford Fulham will come up for a year and they will parachute them way back down I think, I think he'll do better than last year or last time he was it I reckon he'll get about he'll get double figures I think he's got the trust of the manager this time hasn't he yeah um, Fulham have a formula to, to win the championship but mm-hmm. Then they get to the Premiership and they change their formula. <laughs> that, oh, that, that formula is to score nine hundred goals every season in the Championship. That's yeah. their formula. Yeah. Nor- Norwich and Fulham have got an agreement. Agreement that they're just like we'll we'll never play each other as long as we keep going up and down every other season. <laughs> right. So we talked about um, we talked about underrated. Who's been overrated? There's one man for this category. He was nominated for Player of the Season. Fucking James Ward Prowse. No! <laughs> what? no he was voted. Uh, he was in consideration for Player of the Season. When are James, you going to stop James this? When are you going to stop this? What has he done? He should have got Player of the Season. <laughs> You're a joke. 
I'm just trying to get this up now just because I need to see this because I didn't know this. I mean, arguably, Sam, he, he has been Southampton's best player. So Great. So, so, so if you're gonna if you're gonna have a list of players, obviously the best player from each team, then arguably you can understand why he's made the list. Yeah, great. He can make the top twenty list if we're doing that. But he, yeah, he's been the best player for a Southampton team. He's taken two points in the last twelve matches. <laughs> Fucking sick that is. I have just come across it. It, it has just said that he's been nominated as potential player of the. Season. I kind James of do. I do disagree with it. I think James. I think James Will Prowse could go into any Premiership team and do a job. I think he could. Yeah, Kitman. I I I think <sighs> the next club for him. I think what we should do is go to West Ham. Yeah, he could. Just, just just whip ball. Could you imagine him whipping balls into? I said, Sam. I know you got. I know you got a vendetta against him, but at, like his free kicking taking ability is arguably up there as one of the world's best. And he and he's become a good player now. Yeah, he, he can pass. He and can he's defend. he's doing that in a certain side. Right. Okay. But is he one of the eight best players of the Premier League this season? No, I'm not agreeing. So with that. he's overrated. Based on that, he has been overrated this I season. think you're using that vote to pin an argument which most of us would say he shouldn't deserve to be there anyway. And that's not me saying that he's overrated. That's him just making... It's like Jorginho. Jorginho made the Ballon d'Or because he basically... He's overrated. No, because he won a bunch of stuff and everyone went, well, because he's won a bunch of stuff, he, therefore he has to be in it. That I think James Orpaz is extremely underrated. Yeah, I would say anything. <laughs> You're an absolute joke, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You're an absolute joke. Short like, oh, this this man has been put on a list with Kevin De Bruyne, Mo Salah, Hung Min Sol. Okay, we're going to move on Van from Dijk, this now. Trent Aguilar, James Ward Prowse. <laughs> Let, let's let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> I think Sam's always going to have a vendetta against James Ward Prowse. I don't think we're ever going to break I, that with him. I, I pray that just one day on your monthly mystery shirt box, you just get a Southampton <laughs> shirt with James Ward Prowse on the back. If I ever stag do, <laughs> I'm being dressed up as James Ward Prowse. Yes. No, he wouldn't have been put on this on my category as overrated if he wasn't part of the eight man shortlist for player of the season. Yeah. He, that just wouldn't yeah. have happened, but that, that is showing how overrated he is. So <clears throat> I'll go to I'll go to my vote on this. And it's mm-hmm. based on similar logic. Um, I don't know if this player got in team of the season. I can't remember. But he was definitely in the FIFA team of the season, team of the season which I don't think he deserved, was Bruno Fernandes. Completely. Yeah. What I'm a Man, Man United fan. What an annoying play. He's just, oh, he's just so miserable. <laughs> uh, he's a... He's a pen merchant and even missed a few of them lately. He is a good player. He's a good player. Yeah. But he is highly overrated. I think in terms of this season, um, definitely. I obviously think the way that Manu have had their struggles this year, it's definitely had an effect on him and it kind of brings out his worst traits as a player more than anything <laughs> else. Um but yeah, we we all know what his ability is. 
It's just he hasn't shown it this year and he did not deserve to be in that team team of the season. What have you gone for, Jamie? I I struggled with this a little bit. And see part part I'm gonna mention a name and this is just purely off what I think of me watching the games. Now I'm sure that you guys will bring up some stats to prove all the difference and all this sort of stuff, but when the whispers of Coutinho joining Villa happened, you think that he would have massively changed changed them. And we've already talked about how Villa was started 16th, went up to 14th with Gerard. Okay, that Coutinho's come in off loan. I don't think he's reached the heights that we expected. And I think he is very much a shadow of the Coutinho that we know today. And so then. And you two rate him highly, but from what I saw, I don't think he was that great. For the listeners, can I just explain? Sam's face here <laughs> is complete shock. He's itching to jump in here to try and prove Jamie wrong on this. I, on, I cannot believe my ears. Are you joking? No. no. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> Cortinio? Yeah. You questioned my James Ward Prowse and you're coming with Cortinio. You mean the player who left Liverpool for 120 plus million, got loaned out to Bayern, then has been sold for 18 million. And since he's been there, okay, he's contributed a little bit, but for for 120 million pound, 120 million pound worth player who was at Barcelona, who's played at Bayern Munich. I don't think he's produced the same. If arguably, I'd say Ericsson has been a far better player than he has this season. And he's obviously gone through everything that he's gone through. And Coutinho's been playing football the whole entire time. Well, he hasn't been playing football the entire time. And Aston Villa now signed him for £20 million. Is he overrated for £20 million? Pounds? So, no, I'm not saying he's overrated for the price tag they got him. I'm saying as the reputation and the standard that we expect from him, I think he's overrated. I I never had a big expectation for him. I, I, th- I think what you find is most Liverpool fans, when they saw that, or Gerard's bringing the team back together and everything, and everyone just thought, we're going to have like the second coming of Coutinho. I just don't think he's been that good. Or no, good I... At- I never thought he'd hit his Liverpool levels because he's in a far different team. He's five years on. I never thought he would. But he has one, he has won games for Aston Villa. Okay, fair. In the games that I've watched, I wasn't that impressed. Granted, he, he, he's dropped off. He, he had a really good sort of set, seven, eight games. I think he mm. got like, I think eight goal contributions in his first seven games, which is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he and he has he has dropped off, but as has the rest of the team. But I, I think, yeah, it might be a Liverpool bias coming out. But I, I, th- I think he, he, I think he has done what he's expected to do. I think next season, give my whole season will be telling. Give my whole season judgment. Judgment my whole season. Yeah. Um, let me drop Mister Bicky a little word here. Uh, he's gone for this category. He's gone with Ronaldo. Opinions. Um, he scored 18 goals this year, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I, I criticised him at the start of the season. This is true. I, I, I said he would never hit 20 league goals. Um, he hasn't. 
but he was, he, yeah. was, he, he was close. He was thinking well close. He was close. Um, I think with Ronaldo, is he's become a moments player. Yeah. If, yeah. if you watch Ronaldo for 90 minutes, <clears throat> he is he's, he's not involved in the game for 90 minutes. He'll have moments. Mm-hmm. And he, granted, those moments are normally hat-tricks. But and he's, a, he's a pure goal scorer. If they can get a system around him where people just put the balls in the box and just feeding him, he's going he's, he's gonna to do what he did this year. And yes, he is. I mean, without the 18 goals, where would United be? They've been a far worse position than they are now. Yeah. So I, I think he has done exactly what most people expect him to do. And what was it? He's, he's 36 now, isn't he? 37, yeah. 37. Like, so in terms of what expectations, I know he's Cristiano Ronaldo. I know he's Ballon d'Or winner and all, all this that comes with it. But at the same time, he was, he's 36, 37. Like, how, you... The fact that Man U, which they have done previously in terms of the way they've been transitioning, is just they pin their hope on one player to produce everything. And like Sam said, he's a very much a moments player now. It's not what Man U need. But at the end of the day, I think everyone kind of fell in love with the idea of Ronaldo returning and didn't actually really look at the realistic picture of like, okay, he's 36 or 37. I know he's a freak of nature and like... He is has like the body of like a twenty three or twenty four year old or whatever and stuff like that. But he's not the same player. Like we can't pin him to the same standards of what he has been. The same as what Messi is now. You could watch Messi that he's just not as quick as what he used to be. So when he's then doing his dribbling and he's taking on opponents, where is it before he could just easily knock it past them? Can't do that anymore. It's the same with Ronaldo. You can see he is picking his points of when he is sprinting or when he's giving his all. Like they've got to that stage where they have to just watch themselves that bit more. So I get why Percy said he's been overrated this season because it is Ronaldo. But at the same time, he scored 18 goals and he's 37. Like, what more do you expect from him? I, I think he's overrated in the eyes of Ronaldo fans. I yeah. think he's perfectly rated in the eyes of everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, I think a a shout from Percy that I would I would two shouts from Percy that I definitely agree with um, would be his most underrated player he's gone with Mateus Cash yeah yeah okay. good player right yeah great player. I could agree with that and best signing he's gone with Kulazewski who we've mentioned yeah yeah yeah, yeah um, so yeah thanks for that Mr. Bicky um, shall we go we're gonna we're gonna go two more categories. We're gonna go manager of the season, and then we're gonna wrap it up with player of the season. Okay. Um, let's start with manager of the season. One, Jamie sort of briefly mentioned earlier, David Moyes. Is that is that your man? It's not. No. Okay. Go on. I th- I was I was stuck between four managers. Oh. <laughs> like because when I when I just. <laughs> When I what think what about, a dirty when, weekend away that is. <laughs> when I just when I just think about manager of the year, I'm thinking about the impact that they've had on that team. And David Moyes, as much as he has had a brilliant season, he's previously been there with West Ham, and I think it's more been outstanding performances from players 
that have excelled that more than what maybe him as a manager has. So you could argue either way, but that's the reason why I haven't gone with him. The manager I'm going to go for is Eddie Howe. Because as we stated, Newcastle started the first 14 games without picking up a win. Now, yes, I know they got a lot of money and money talks and money really does help. But at the end of the day, he still had to get those players in order, getting them into a system and getting that flow to be able to get themselves out. And like you said as well earlier, Sam, about with Aston Villa, they finished comfortably out of where the relegation zone is. They were long gone and they never had to worry. And yeah, okay, I think Eddie Howe as well has been known as that budget kind of manager, especially with Bournemouth and the way that he was. He kept Bournemouth up for quite a long time. And then a lot of questions about his managerial performance. I think he's coming to do an absolute phenomenal job in Newcastle. Do I think he is the man for Newcastle for the future and the way that they want to go? Most likely not. But in terms of the season that he's had, the job that he had to do, I think he did outstanding. I, I agree. I mean, you know, he... Everyone knew they'd have a massive January transfer window. And to be fair, they signed players which made sense. I thought they'd go and blow the bank and do something stupid. But um, you know, they brought in a couple of really good Prem players. They brought in um, Gamerej, who is a phenomenal player mm, for the future. Yeah. That was their star signing and it's proven that he's been great. And I think you are right. He has taken a group of players who just weren't functioning at all and found a way to get them playing well. I think he deserves a shout just for getting Joe Linton looking good. What? Yeah. How the hell did he... A, ter- <laughs> a terrible striker to a decent box-to-box midfielder. Um, so I, I think he's, in, he's worth a shout. I, I, I do agree with that. Um, I have gone for someone else. I have gone for Graham Potter. Yeah, yeah. For my, for my manager. Um, like I said earlier, Brighton finished uh, ninth. The highest ever finish. Um, they're five points off Conference League. Five points off Europe. That's not bad. Brighton. Seven points off Europa League. And I, I think, you know, like, you know, he, he's brought in some great players. I think he's got Danny Welbeck looking good again. Mm. And they, they had a really, really good start. A difficult middle, great end. Um, but I think for the budget Graham Potter's had, for the size of the club, the squad they have, to finish where they finish the season is exceptional. You, you know what I love about Brighton and Graham Potter as well? They've obviously got this system, right, where they play three at back um, and then it's pretty much a free-for-all. They <laughs> change it every week. Um, but any team that do that, <clears throat> so for example, Chelsea. Chelsea play this wing-back system and then mid-foot... Uh, Towards the start, midway through the season, they lost uh, Chilwell and they lost James. Yeah, massive impact. That was a massive panic for for Chelsea. They're like, oh my God, what are we going to do about win-backs? Brighton, though, they went into that Man United game the other week playing where they beat them 4-0. Yeah. They went into... They went into that game playing bloody Trossard at left wing back. <laughs> it does not matter. Graham Potter gets the best out of all their players, yeah. no matter where they face. Dan Byrne, a mm-hmm. six foot six centre back, before he went to Newcastle, he was playing left wing back. Yeah, and, and he was influential for them. Lost him. They, they've been about Tyke Lamptey 
for much of the season, who is mm. an exceptional player. So the fact they finished where they are, again, is great. Um, Joel Veltman's looked great. Yeah. Mm. Like, great. Great. <laughs> I mean, they got Pascal Gross, who can't turn his head more than sort of like five <laughs> inches because he's just so immobile. He's <laughs> looked like a good... He's, I think great was great. Could you imagine if they managed to get in a striker finally that final jigs- piece in the jigsaw for Brighton? They would have made Europe. Yeah. Mm. Um, finally, a, a, a shout on the manager. Um, obviously, the obvious shouts of, of Pep and Klopp, but yeah, it looks like we're boring. not talking about them. Another shout is um, oh, what's his bloody name? Uh, Thomas Frank. Yes. Yeah. Come up. Done well. Uh, where do they finish in the end? Twelfth? Thirteenth. Thirteenth? That's good. Mm. That is good for Brentford. Um, so he's got to be in with a shout. But I think I'm I think I'm more inclined to go with one of your shouts actually. Um, in Eddie Howe and, and Graham Potter. I love Graham Potter. Um, I think maybe Eddie Howe for me, because he I think for me he's proved me so wrong. Because mm. When they brought him in, I was like, what are they doing? What He's never going to dig him out of that. But he has, and he's done it in tremendous fashion. Um, there's there's one manager I think we haven't mentioned who was on my list, and that was Patrick Vieira. Yeah. yeah he's done well, too. Yeah, very well. If you look at the start of the season, the squad that he had, it was horrific. They'd lost a load of players, but actually, they're, they're, Southampton's, uh, Crystal Palace's recruitment has been very good. <laughs> Elise, what a player he looks like. Um, how do you say the centre-back's name? Guay? Guay, yeah. Guay, mm. top quality player. Um, yeah, Gallagher, obviously. Yeah, it's been phenomenal for them. Um, also, where, where was I going? I was going somewhere. Oh, yeah, I, I thought you'd find this interesting. Um, I I heard another podcast, actually, talking about uh, Eddie Howe today um, and what he did when he first started the club so in his first meeting he just said to the players he said can you all write down the names of your wives the names of your kids um, and what your wife does or something and and give it to me and this this person had said they'd never seen a manager do that it just shows what like a man manager he is mm. just to go to all the effort to learn those minor details for all the players. Sounds like a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> Depends how you take that. <laughs> all right, Graham Potter's manager of the season. Yay! Eddie Howe's a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> right, finally, the big one. Um, we'll, we'll end it on this. Um, player of the season. Yeah, it's not the person that's actually been voted for this season, is it? No. Is anybody going with De Bruyne? No. No. Fine. No, I'm going. I'm going for Huming Son. Huming Son? Yeah. I don't think that's controversial. I think it's a bloody great shout. I mean, top goal scorer in the league, joint with Mo Salah. Got 30 goal involvements across the 38 game season. Yeah. Something that really sort of surprised me was that I was looking into stats and stuff. He's got a 27% shot success. Right, so that's ridiculous. What, shots to goals or shots? On essentially, target? yeah. So one in one, one in four shots he has goes in is a goal. Right. I was looking and compa- uh, comparing against the other uh, strikers in the league: Salah, Ronaldo, 
and I think Mane all are on 16%. Mm. Son's on 27%, right? ridiculous. Only person that's bettered him all season is Jamie Vardy. And you've got to think... You think as well, human son is not even considered the best player on his team. Which is ridiculous. And, you know, like I said earlier, Vardy's had a lot less minutes. So to have one in four of your shots to be a goal, that's that's elite finishing. And and he is, when Kane's been off the boil, Son has always been there. He is the consistent person in that Spurs team. And he's dragged him back to Champions League football the first time, like three years or whatever. Um, and I, I, you know, I just think for me, De Bruyne has had a very similar season to Harry Kane in the fact that started off the boil, start of the season, it's come really, really good end of the season. So I think there's been a, a lot of sort of like recency bias on this De Bruyne sort of thing. And obviously, he plays for Man City and they won the league, so it's got to be someone from there, hasn't it? But for me, I think Hummin Son has been the best player all season. Salah, again, an re- unreal start. Dropped off a bit. But like I said, for the 38 games, Son's been the best player. Yeah. Jamie, are you going with Salah? I am, for different reasons. Um, put your Salah argument across. I'm a big believer in... Even if, like, it's one of those things where obviously he's had it before and all that sort of stuff, and then people go, "Yeah, but it's Salah, so he should be that good." I, d- I still don't like those sort of arguments because he has been phenomenal this year. I know it, it. He's been in a Liverpool system where it suits him very well, but I mean, we were only talking what last year. Harry Kane uh, was the golden boot and the top assist, and we said that this was something that we rarely would ever see. And we don't think would really happen much again. And the next season, Salah's gone and done it. And he's tied for golden boot. And then also as well, he's then top assist. So for me, based off that, like if you're just thinking what the job of the attacker is, is to score goals or set people up for it, he's, he's hit the nail on the head. And just because it is Mo Salah and he has this reputation does not mean that he should not get it. Like, that's just me, but... So yeah, for me it's Salah because if you if you're top assist and you're top goal scorer and you're considered an attacker, then you've done your job. Yeah, but both have been unbelievable. Yeah. Um and you are right, Salah does get a lot of shtick because well he should be good. Like he could go four games without scoring and everyone's going, Oh look, he's having a crap's time. But mm. he's most like he is one of the best players in the world, like period. Yeah. Exactly, and I don't think he should be. I don't think he should then lose out on the best player award because of his reputation that he's created. I agree, and you know, the De Bruyne could do one great pass and be like, "Oh my god, best player in the league, unbelievable!" Do nothing for the rest of the game. Salah could score twice and go, "Yeah, but yeah, one Sammy." Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. That's the, the only downside is what I would say to the argument of why you could argue with Sun is obviously Salah's on penalties and Sun isn't. So from open, yes. from open play, you argue that Sun, as we said, across the 38 games has been the best player. And I completely get that. But it's the assist for me that also then weighed that in where if you take the penalties out, that his goal contributions from the assist as well is most likely even and out. So Salah's had five penalty goals. Yeah. So 
that's just the way it is. And I'm just having a quick look. Um, he's got 13 assists, says Salah, compared to Son's. So Son's if, got seven. If you take non-penalties out, Son's got 30 goal involvement. Salah's got 31. Yeah. Um, so I can tell you that Mr. Bicky, um, for this award, has gone with no Salah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to side with one of you. Um, and that man is going to be Son. And the reasons being, one, those penalties. Two, um, I I get what your argument was there, Jamie. uh, Totally, and you're right. But I think it's easier to do it in that Liverpool squad than it is to do it in that Tottenham squad. Tottenham had to dig out a lot wrong results and we've seen that people can go into that Liverpool squad and still do well like Diaz Jota and still bad goals just because of that system that atmosphere that Klopp's created um, the the way they play they're all, they're all nailed in um, and they will get goals but I feel like Son has maybe had to dig out more goals and for that reason I, I would go for him player of the season that's understandable. I, th- I think both deserve it. And I think we can all agree that De Bruyne doesn't. No. No. <laughs> no. Right. So, if you've if you made it this far and you've enjoyed this pod... Well please, done. <laughs> please, please send us in your opinions. Uh, any any players you think we've got wrong? Any players you think we've got right? Any Any new players? Any predictions for next for next season? Please send them into the Instagram. Um, and anything else you you boys want to say? Um, Man I said you finish second next season. I hope James Ward Prowse gets signed by Barnsley, so never to watch him again. <laughs> James Ward Prowse, player of the season. Love you, bye. Love uh, you, bye. Love you, bye.